0: In the last portion of part four of his discourse on method, Rene Descartes is going to examine this distinction between the thoughts that we have while we're awake and those that we have while we're sleeping, that is in dreams. And he's going to tell us why it is that in general, we can trust our waking thoughts. We can say that they actually do have more truth in them than the thoughts when we're dreaming. And this is a big achievement. This is an important part of of the cartesian master argument running both through the discourse and through the meditations on first philosophy it's actually explored a little bit more in detail about how we how we work with this criterion of clear and distinct ideas in the meditations but we're going to focus here just on what he has to say in the last part of this section so there are some previous concerns, and these come from the earlier part. What is it that we can doubt? Well, we can doubt the testimony of our senses. We can doubt whether we're getting mathematical or logical argumentation correct. Maybe we make mistakes in that. And there's also this issue that Descartes brings up you know, I dream of all sorts of crazy stuff. So, how do I know that I'm not dreaming right now and that the thing? Things that I think are happening, for example, in my case, filming right now, aren't just illusions that are produced in my mind, false ideas that don't correspond to anything in reality. So this is the big previous concern. He knows that he does, in fact, have dreams, and in those dreams, whatever they may have been, I mean, Descartes doesn't do a dream journal or something, he thinks false things. Maybe he thinks he's the king of France, or maybe he thinks that he's made of taffy, or (laughs) Who knows what else? But these things are false. So how can we trust our ideas? And we have this Cartesian argument that runs throughout the entire part four. He begins in doubt, and it's hyperbolic doubt. He's going to try to use it as a tool to doubt everything possible. He gets to the I exist I am a thinking substance. I can doubt everything else, but I can't doubt my own existence because in order to do that, I have to think and there has to be something that's doing the thinking. And then he argues to God's existence and also the divine nature. And throughout this section, he has been using this criterion that whatever I conceive clearly and distinctly must be true. So I conceive clearly and distinctly that I think, therefore I exist I also, you know, conceive that like my notion of God couldn't have just come from nowhere or from myself or something lesser than me has to come from something greater than me. All of that is making use of this criterion of clear and distinct conception of ideas. So it's not just that the ideas themselves are clear and distinct. It's also that my conception of them. The way in which they are being conceived or grasped is clear and distinct. And this leads to what's often called the Cartesian circle because Descartes is going to argue based on God's existence and God's nature of being completely perfect, which means being completely good, that God would not create us in such a way as to sort of naturally be deceived all the time. He's giving us kind of a lifeline in this clear and distinct ideas. Whatever I conceive of clearly and distinctly, I can know to be true because God would not have set things up in terms of my mind or the world in such a way that whatever I did conceive clearly and distinctly would not be true. So this is a a problem that doesn't get explored very much in here, but it's called the Cartesian circle. We're not actually going to worry about that here, but I did want to note it because this notion of clear and distinct conception of ideas is going to get used now as a way to try to answer this issue of are waking thoughts true or not. Are the things that in our waking life right now we are conceiving of, can we actually have any reliance on them? And Descartes approaches this in a very interesting way. He starts off by talking about dreams and he notes that just because we dream something doesn't mean that it's automatically false. So if I dream that I'm made of chicken and I'm actually drinking a milkshake that's as big as the universe, okay, that's clearly got to be false, right? And we can make up all sorts of crazy stuff like that. But what if it's a geometric proof? What if it's some sort of logical reasoning? Is that false simply because it's being dreamed? Descartes says, once the knowledge of God and of the soul has made us certain of this rule about clear and distinct ideas, about participating in truth. He says, It's a simple matter to determine that the things we imagine in dreams should in no way make us doubt the the, the truth of the thoughts we have while awake. Even if one should happen while sleeping to have some very distinct idea. Here he uses the case of a geometer discovering some new proof. The fact that he was asleep would not prevent it being true. So that's the criterion there. So long as it's a very clear, a very distinct set of ideas that are connected together in the proof and you can replicate it and write it down or you know, talk yourself through it once you awake, it could be true. You don't have to doubt it just because you dreamt it. Now, simply because you dreamt it doesn't mean that it's true. So you actually do need to sit down and go through it and see whether the thing that you feel to be true really is true. So there's an important thing there that Descartes sort of takes for granted that you'll know. What else does he say? What about things that we perceive, our senses? Like, you know, I've had dreams sometimes where I get up and I get dressed sort of like I am right now. And there are physical sensations of, you know, the tightness of the clothing around, you know, parts of my body and colors when I look down and stuff like that. If I'm dreaming, that's all false, right? Because I'm laying there in my bed. And unless I came home, you know, very, very late, I'm not laying in my bed wearing a tie and, and a shirt or anything like that, right? I've changed into something else. And Descartes, presumably, same, same sort of case. Should that make us doubt the perceptions that we're having right now? Descartes says no. So he goes on and he says for the most common error of dreams, which consists in their representing various things to us in the same way as our external senses representing, for example, a gold or yellowish and brown sort of tie soft, right? It does not matter, he says, that it gives us occasion to distrust the truth of these ideas. Why not? Well, it's an interesting argument. Our senses could also mislead us without our being asleep. I could be wrong in looking at the tie. He gives the example of people who are jaundiced where everything that they see looks kind of yellowish. So maybe this is actually a, a gray tie and I'm feeling sick. My liver's failing and I've got jaundice and I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's very yellowish, you know? Or, I mean, think about this, you know, maybe I changed the colors in the video. Now, I don't have that sort of technical expertise, but I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who do. So in a way, the dream thing is a bit of a red herring at this point. Our senses can deceive us anyway. We don't need to bring in the dream argument anymore to worry about that. So what's the upshot of this? He tells us we should have some trust in the truth of our waking thoughts. Not all of them necessarily, but we don't have to be stuck in hyperbolic doubt anymore. What's our way of doing that? He says that we should be convinced on evidence of reason, not just in an immediate way by the senses. So when I see a tie and I think it's a certain color, you know, what would the evidence of reason be for that? Maybe I should actually go check the tie. Maybe I can talk with other people. Hey, are you seeing it this color? Now that's not perfect. That only gives us a certain amount of probability, but it would be quite reasonable to trust in that, wouldn't it? It would also be reasonable, you know, when we put the stick into the water and it looks bent to us for us to say, oh, I know how this works. It's not really bent. There's laws of refraction of light going on here. That's an explanation by reason as opposed to just relying on the senses or imagination can often play a major role. As we know from you know, all sorts of interesting studies, you can get people to see things that aren't actually there and to not see things that are there or to see them in very different ways. So we want to trust reason rather than imagination or sense. And he says, I say our reason, not our imagination or our senses. And he gives the example of the sun. We see the sun very clearly. We should not on that account judge that it's only as large as we see it. Because if you're looking at the sun, it looks like it's about that big. It's awfully bright. So don't stare at it too long. But it looks like it's pretty small. But we know, as he says, that it's actually quite large. And he says, we can imagine, if we use the example of the imagination, the head of a lion grafted onto the body of a goat, but that doesn't mean that we have to assume that because we can imagine this, that there is a chimera, that kind of creature, anywhere in the world. He says, reason does not dictate to us that what we see or imagine in this way is true. So what does reason tell us about things that could be true or could be false? He says, to begin with, all of our ideas have some sort of foundation in truth. Even the things that are false or imaginary, purely fictional, they have some basis in something that actually is true. I can be deceived, I can have all sorts of illusions, but they draw upon, you could say, a stock of things that at some time, somewhere, were actually true. Now, ferreting out what's true and what's false, that's a bit more difficult, and Descartes is not going to try to do that right now. The other thing that he's, he's saying that's really important about this issue of the truth of waking thoughts is that our reasoning is more clear and complete while we are awake. So we can trust this criterion of clear and distinct conception of ideas more when we are awake than when we are asleep. Now, does that mean that everything that we do perceive while we're awake is automatically true, grasped clearly? No, not at all the case. But there is a difference between the waking state and the dreaming state. One that we often lose sight of in the dreaming state, which is that our ideas are not really as clear and distinct or complete as we would like to feel that they are. So he tells us that our processes of reasoning are never so clear or complete. When we're asleep as when we're awake. Although our imaginings and sleep are sometimes just as vivid and distinct. So reason tells us. That as our thoughts cannot all be true because we're not wholly perfect, what truth there is in them must infallibly be found in those we have while awake rather than those which we have in our dreams. So where is Descartes ending with this? We can't trust everything of our our ideas, our thoughts as true, but we can figure out that if there are going to be true thoughts, they are going to be waking thoughts. And at least some of them are going to be true. For example, I exist, right? That's a true thought. And he's going to extend from this outward into the entire realm of what comprise, as we now call them, the sciences. So there's a lot that we can actually trust as true in our waking thoughts. And all of them have some foundation, no matter how false they are, some foundation in truth. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible.